When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's time to Take Command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there figuring out his microphone. I am yeah. Craig Hoffman. Got it all figured out, man? I, mean, I think so, hopefully. Look, so, sounds you know, like amazing. Since I, since, I, since I took it off the stand, I'm, I got to like make sure it's facing the right way now. Yeah, so, that, that is helpful. Yeah, it is helpful. P- uh, PFF grade for you, 100. Yeah. 100. Figured it out. Yeah. Uh, we don't give grades. We do give breakdowns, though, and that is the theme of this here midweek podcast Film review of the win over Arizona, Logan. Let's dive right in and let's talk about the quarterback. Obviously, we'll talk about everyone else and the defense later in the podcast. But when you look at Sam Howell's day, there's obviously some good. There's obviously some yikes. Um, when you look at his decision making, though, um, let's start there and then we'll get into some of the protection issues. But decision making wise and kind of how he executed the throws that he was asked to, what'd you make of his day? Yeah, so I don't want to come off like I'm being like overly optimistic about Sam Howell's performance. Like I want to ground this in some sense of reality. Like, can he play better? Like, absolutely. But I actually thought he played pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, it was like a good first outing. I know he had the pick. I know he had the fumble. Um, The pick, I thought like we just watched that um, together. And I think that he was, you know, just a little bit later. His footwork was a little bit off. Like, it just didn't seem like the timing of of the depth of the route matched up with his feet necessarily. And uh, because he's waiting so long to throw the football, obviously the ball gets tipped and then gets picked off. And then on, on the sack force fumble, I don't necessarily think that's anybody's fault. I think, you know, obviously Wiley gives up the sack, but that's a great rush by, uh, by guard right there at number 45 for the Arizona Cardinals on the spin move. And it's a tough look, the guard and him, the guard and Wiley are kind of on different levels and leaves a little bit of space for the inside move. And then Sam's just trying to make a play probably when he needs to know that like, I don't need to do that right there. Yeah, that would be my thing on the fumble is that I yeah. the fumble is bad because time score situation, like yeah. you got to be okay punting and you just got to it's not to your blind side. You didn't you saw it coming. Just eat the football and make sure that you get it onto the foot of Tressway there. Yeah, but I think I think we both agree with that, you know, and I think that's what you get though with young players. You know, you get like I think that people forget like people want him to come out and be like this amazing football player right right away. And I think he's doing a pretty good job like you know, those are two mistakes. There was a couple other ones. Um, there was a sack or kind of a pressure that he took, uh, I want to say, in the third quarter where, like, Logan Thomas is running a snag route and he's getting a little greedy trying to throw the in cut. And I'm like, man, you know, this is – it's second and ten. Just throw the ball to Logan right here and you probably get a seven – a minimum a seven-yard gain just based on the coverages and you don't give up this pressure slash sack slash holding scenario. And 
I, I think that just comes with maturity and understanding what you can and can't get away with. But overall, I thought, you know, for the most for most of the day, he's on time. I think, you know, we're talking about this a little bit later, but the O line did a did a really good job, and we'll talk about that in more detail in a minute. But um, I think overall, like, you know, I don't know what his PFF grade is exactly, but I think it seems like it's kind of in that you know, C plus area for me, like there's some things he could have done better, but I think overall and, and, and the mistakes, I, I think I'll say this, the mistakes he did make, I thought were kind of big mistakes, but I think overall, like, you know, on the other, what is it? 46 dropbacks, like on the other plays, he, he looked pretty good. Like there was a couple of little RPO things where I thought he made a bad read. Like he should have thrown a screen uh, off the RPO action, but he ends up trying to scramble for, you know, a no gain, basically like, don't really understand that but i think again that comes with youth that comes with understanding that comes with kind of a, a deeper understanding of what you can do offensively so um i think overall like pretty solid day and i think is there room for improvement like absolutely but for a good first outing to have that you know for for a first outing um for it to come in a win i think that all is good stuff and he did make some plays in the red zone which is again some something that i kind of like uptick the grade for a little bit at least in my mind so yeah he's uh 61.4 on pff uh whatever that's yeah worth. that feels but, right to me like i mean yeah. like that's like a that's like a solid what is that like a yellow i think yeah what that, yeah yeah, yeah. So, they've got that in their yellow range so yeah. i mean uh, the thing is like Big stuff moves the the grade, if you will, in a major way. And he had really big positive uh, stuff and really big negative stuff. And kind of the middle was the middle. It was an average NFL quarterback performance where there's a mixed bag. But if you can just cut the really bad big stuff, which to me, like even the, the interceptions, like a run of the mill bad thing. Um, it's not good. No, right. Rarely, rarely you're like, oh man, the quarterback did a great job on that interception. It happens on occasion uh, because it was uh, the Thursday nighter with Mahomes when he hits Kadarius Tony in the hands. Yeah, and you're up, like, yeah. yeah, man, you hit him in stride in the hands and it wound up being a pick six. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, but, but, the, but to your point, there's like bad interceptions and there's like, okay interceptions balls tipped you know like could he have been on time yeah like yeah it's not a positive play but it's not like god how could he ever do that where the sack fumble you're like dude come on a little little bit more in the shadow yeah yeah, you're in the shadow of your own end zone you see it's to your front side you know you don't have to expose the ball as you try to scramble out and make hero play because I'm pretty sure that came on like a third down and and I think it was long. A third down, so, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, don't try to be a hero. Just let Tressway be Tressway. Get the ball to him, and and keep it moving. And so, I but you see what he does in the red zone, where a lot of quarterbacks do not have the creativity and the arm strength and the arm slots and the scramble ability and you know the ability as a runner to see the cutback like. I think a lot of quarterbacks yeah. just bury their head and try to get to the corner and wind up taking a huge shot, and not getting in the end zone. Instead, he cuts it back and and gets in there. Um, but I, I think th- if you can eliminate the big bad, then you're looking at a pretty solid day from Sam Howell. Um, I, I think, you know, it was interesting as you were talking there, one of the things that Ron said yesterday popped back into my head, which is, he talks about Sam protecting himself and, and not trying to do too much. And, you know, oh, he'll learn. And everyone interpreted that as not taking the shots, uh, which definitely is a part of it. But I also wonder if somewhere in the back of Ron's mind or at the front of uh, Ron's mind is the the sack fumble, where it's like, hey, man, like don't expose yourself. Just get down and, and you know keep it moving versus trying to make a big play and exposing us to catastrophic football uh, things 
not just don't take the big shot on the sideline slide or, you know, throw it out of bounds, whatever. Dude. Um, I mean, I think the, uh, the other one is like, I don't even know if that shot was his fault. Like he was definitively out of oh, bounds yeah. for one of them. So yeah, no, the Kaiser white one is, is terrible. It's that's, ridiculous. that's, I cannot believe that that was an injection. Yeah. Like that was, yeah, or at least, like, they, did, they didn't even throw a flag, right? No, like, they did throw they did throw okay. the flag. It was late. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a late flag, too. but a flag. Um, Jeez, but it yeah, should have been an ejection. It's terrible. Targeting. Yeah, so I don't know what you, like if Ron's talking about that. But I do, I think like with, with kind of with what you're saying, I think there's like a general maturity that needs yes. to happen. And like that only comes with playing football in the NFL, you know? And you just hope that like he, he seems to be a quick learner and you hope that that learning process comes quickly. So um, I, but I think like he does some really good stuff, like that two minute drive, some of the throws in there, the one to Logan Thomas on the sideline, the one to Curtis Samuel was great, you know, like kind of threading that in there. And you see the the arm talent, the quick release. That's not like this big, long wind up, you know, the throw to this is a different sequence, but the throw to Cole Turner over the middle of the field was awesome. You know, that's like he funny. just he does some really, really good stuff and like kind of that that deeper it's not, it's not a shot play but it's like that 12 to 15 yard range that's really really exciting because like it, it just feels like the ball just jumps out of his hands and i thought on some of you know like you mentioned that they only ran like i think it was six uh play action yeah, passes. pff had it as only six play action attempts in the game and one of the things the other thing i want to just point out is i thought he did a really good job with like the quick game stuff the quick game and like kind of that intermediate passing attack and um, you know, again, the O-line deserves a ton of credit for some of that stuff because he's able to kind of work through a progression in a nice way. So um, it's it's a very solid day. It's a very solid day. I think there's a lot of stuff to build on. You know, obviously we mentioned the big mistakes, but I think like like if, if you're playing like a thought experiment, if you take out those big mistakes and even if you take out the touchdowns, you just look at what he did between the hashes. I'd say it was a, it, was, it was very, very good, very, very productive, but you know, there are some like little things like don't hold the ball so long. Like understand what's going on. And I will say like he did a great job. Like uh, Arizona tried to heat him up in the first quarter with what what would amount to basically like an all out pressure. I think they were playing zero and he instead of like he identified it right away. He lost ground away from the rush and threw the ball to Curtis Samuel. It was like a one yard gain, two yard gain. But like that was something he had a really hard time with in the preseason. And then for him to kind of show, hey, like I'm aware of the situation. I know where my hot outlet is like that's a maturation too. So I, I love seeing that stuff from a young player. Cause every time he's on the field, he seems to be getting better, but um, yeah, I just got to clean out some of those big mistakes and you know, like that, like I think I expected him to kind of not have like a, not have like a rough day, but have some of these kind of growing pains and in an environment that's very energetic. That's very emotional um, against a real NFL defense. Like, cause you know, he didn't get that um, in the preseason against Baltimore. So you know, I'd say all in all, like kind of what I expected. And I think right on pace with his learning curve and hopefully he gets better next week. 100%. We'll talk about the protection in one second. Last thing I want to talk about more specific to Sam real quick though. And this is, this is also the offense as a whole is the difference in production first to second half. Cause he had 169 yards at halftime and he finishes yeah. with just two Oh two in the game. What changed in the second half that they just stopped moving the ball specifically through the air? I mean, part I of it is, you know, later in the half, they, they ran the ball a ton more and, and, we're able to get chunks that way, but what happened to to cause that disparity half to half? You know, I think it was more of a play calling thing. Obviously, I think it was just kind of a, a game flow thing, like that they realized that the defense was playing so well, the defense was putting them in these good situations. And you know, like we I mentioned this before, like when you throw when you have a defensive score, so like when you have 
um, you know, like what was it? The, uh, the sack fumble, right? You get the mm-hmm. ball back right there and you get another offensive possession, you know, and it, and it just, it really helps you kind of accrue more plays offensively in the first half. And also you're working a two minute situation as opposed to working a four minute situation um, at the end of the game, right? Where you're running, running, you're trying to bleed clock. You're not throwing the ball that much. Um, so I think different situations call for different play calls. I think that's totally reasonable. Um, and also I think the game, I, it felt right to me when I was watching the game live, it felt right to me at the time, you know, I was yeah. like, they need to, sl- they need to slow this down a little bit offensively. Like I understand, you know, from an analytics perspective, like throwing the ball is hyper efficient. You've been pretty efficient throwing the ball in the first half, but we don't need to right now with the way the defense is playing. Let's just kind of play mistake free football. Let's possess the ball a little bit. Let's let the defense get fresh and then, you know, make plays where we got to make them. And I really think that that was kind of the the change in complexion. You know, even the scoring drive, it's six plays. It's, it's yeah, it's six plays. It's three runs, three runs consecutively, two passes, uh, two attempted passes and a scramble for a touchdown. Like that's what it is, you know. So not a lot of offensive volume there in terms of getting guys targets in the second half. Yeah, definitely. All right. So this is the part of the podcast where you make everyone mad because yeah. you're about to tell us that the offensive line played a lot better than people think that they did. Explain yourself. So, like, I mean, you know, I watch a lot of offensive lines, and I think, like, like just it's a good juxtaposition because I watch the defense and I watch the offense. So when you watch Arizona's offensive line, there's times, like, where you get free runners to the quarterback, right? Like, like uh, you know, Deron Payne has, like, three TFLs. John has a TFL. And it's just, like, jailbreak screen to the back in running situations, right? or the pocket collapses in this really quick way. And what I will say about this offensive line here for Washington is they're able to keep a nice nice width and depth on the pocket, right? They've got guys covered up. They understand who's blitzing. They understand how to get to their stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it's a pretty clean day, you know, for most of the guys. And I think, like, I don't know why there's this narrative that the offensive line played poorly. There was that sequence. I forget. It was in the, in the third quarter where it was like, it was like a it was like a sack, a hold, a sack. You know what I mean? And like I think that kind of sticks out in people's mind. Obviously, the sack. Well, fumble. I mean, they ultimately get did as a team. They give up six sacks, and that's not a great day. Well, so to me, two a couple of those are on the quarterback, right? Sure. Like a couple well, of that, that's that's probably- why you know, and and kind of what the beauty of this pod is, and going down and breaking them down and saying like, all right, this is this is why it happened. It's actually not the offensive line's fault. But when you come out of a game with six sacks, like it's hard to leave that game feeling like the offensive line had had a even a good day nevertheless a, a really good day because it's six sacks but as yeah. you're saying like you drop back 46 times two of those are on the quarterback they yeah, perform, and, they and, and on the other 40 plays like they're real good yeah and like they're like they're really good you know and i think like you know wiley i'm looking at the pff stuff right now like wiley had five pressures and maybe that feels it because like you know you're getting pressure from that edge but they're not sacks. You know what I mean? Like they're not sacks. And like, he's pretty clean with most of his stuff. And then like, you look at Cosme, man, like Cosme was great. Sadiq was pretty good. Like the, the sack that he gave up, the back trips him. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like, that's and, not on Sadiq. And so like, that's not his fault. Like, and then the, then the one where, um where like Sadiq is pushing through on the slide to help out Leno and Gates stops the slide for whatever reason and goes back to help Cosme. Like that's just a miscommunication. That's one miscommunication in 46 snaps, right? A guy gets stripped. There's a miscommunication. That's two right there. Sam holds the ball long on two of them. That's four. Then there's the one that Wiley had, which is the sack force fumble. And there was another one that Wiley had where I thought he missed his punch. So 
I'd say two kind of warranted pressures out of six out of 46 snaps. You know what I'm saying? 46 dropbacks. Like that's a pretty good day. And like you mentioned, they're not doing a whole bunch of really complicated, nuanced stuff when it comes to like disguising that they're passing. I think they're doing a good job of kind of layering um, drop back with quick game and screen like and, and, and like quicker developing route concepts. Let's say that because they didn't run a ton of screens. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's like a layering there. They use chip help really well. And I, like these I, I think, you know, when I looked at these grades, everyone I'm sure is going to be like, what? These grades are they're not real. But Cosme, 88%, like he had an excellent game. There's a play where like they're bringing a – so he's he's in the two-man – he's on the man side of the protection, right? So he's on the right side. His guy drops out. He's looking to the right. And the last second he kind of perifs a, a, a free runner through the left side of the slide and absolutely smokes that dude. Like that is some Quentin Nelson type stuff from him. That is an elite play from your guard right there. So great job by him. Charles Leno, 70%. That feels – Right to me, he gave up a couple pressures off of a bull, but like it's not like he's it's Sam had enough time to. And I think what the other thing is when you're watching the quarterback, if he can get back there and take a hitch, it's good protection. And that was the majority, even on the ones where there was a pressure, like he's taking hitches and he's having an opportunity to work through his progression. So I, I just think they did a really nice job. Andrew Wiley, 65%, again, not great, but. I think that's that that's very reflective of how I feel about how he played, right? It was pretty solid for the majority of the snaps. He had two bad losses, but the other stuff was so good that it kind of brings up that grade a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Nick Gates, uh, 68. I thought Nick's, Nick had some stuff in the pass, bro. Um, again, like the one with Sadiq, which is probably his fault, which doesn't show up here on the PFF grade. But, you know, outside of one play on 46 snaps, it's pretty gosh darn good, you know? And then Sadiq has a uh, 84 in terms of pass pro because I don't think that sack is his fault, you know, the one where he yeah. gets tripped up. So, I, I honestly, like, I, I don't understand. Like, there's, like, there's going to be this narrative this week about how the offensive line played poorly. And I think a lot of it stems from the fact that people don't watch offensive line play very often. Like, when you look at Arizona's offensive line, and, again, you'd expect this, but they were, like, in a firestorm a little bit because, you know, like, they're, they're blocking Duran playing. They're blocking, they're blocking Duran, um, John Allen. They're blocking Montez Sweat, right? They're having a hard time getting those guys blocked up. Um, and so that makes sense to me. And, and think about how conservative their game plan was in terms of keepers and boots and, like, how few drop packs they actually did. But it's there, there's a different feel for, with this group, their ability to set, their ability to communicate, their ability to know where the slide is going and work together that I think is, is good. Like I'm not even going to mince my words. Like it was, there were some things they did that were very, very good in this game. And I, and I, and I hope that fans are open-minded enough to hear that because like, and I'm not saying every game's going to be like this. I'm not saying that there's going to be games. Yeah, Denver's they, a tall task, man. Yes. They got some dudes up front. And I also think it's important to note, like this defensive line was just kind of okay. You know what I mean? And so yeah. they should have a good performance like this. They should be very in control. Like there's no grid interior pass rusher for Arizona. I think Gardak's got some pass rush juice on the edge. Zayvon College has some pass rush juice on the edge for them. But outside of that, it's not like, you know, they they should be playing well. And I think that they came out and did what they were supposed to do outside of, like we talked about, probably two snaps by Wiley, really, if we're being honest. And then the other two, Sam's holding the ball too long. And then Sadiq gets tripped on one and Gates doesn't see the slide. You know, like that, and the fact that it only happened one time in the whole game, one really big mental mistake in pass pro, it's huge, man. So um, 
you know, I don't know. Is that cleared up, Craig, or is there? Yeah, I, I just think that it's important to keep in mind the magnitude of those mistakes, right? And it's a little bit, you know, like it's not as extreme as the long snapping stuff where it's just like you should you can expect 100% and that's actually a reasonable expectation. That's not what offensive line play is, that's, right? That, that's a really good way to put that, though, because it's never you're never going to throw a clean sheet on the off. I think that fans think a good offensive lineman's throwing a clean sheet every play. When you watch offensive linemen around the league, it's probably like in this in pass pro, it's probably between 55, quite honestly, in some situations and 75%. Like that's right. average offensive line play in the NFL in terms of winning one-on-one pass rushing situations. Right. But I also like look at it. If we flip it and we'll talk about the defense, obviously in a little bit, but like Montez sweat has a phenomenal game with a sack and a half. And it's like, well, okay, if that's a phenomenal game, then giving up a sack and a half is bad. Um, on the offensive line. But I, I think that what you're saying that is correct is it's more than that. It's like the sacks are one thing, but like, how do you do outside of those plays? Yeah. How do you, you know, do you give your, is there quarterback constantly under pressure and then also getting sacked on occasion? Or is it like a one-off, two-off, you know, type of thing? And here, I guess there's four um, ultimately that are on the offensive line, two physical mistakes by Wiley, um, one that's not, I don't even want to say it's on the offensive line. It's just a bad luck sack with, with Sadiq and get tripped. tripped yeah. Um, and then one mental mistake by Gates and like, it's not, it's not an A plus day. It's probably not an A day, but it's also not an F day. And, and you know, if, if you can get a little bit more production out of Sam, um, with some slightly more accurate throws, if you can get better production out of your receivers with a few less drops, like, they that's a pretty good day offensively throwing the football on those 46 snaps the yardage winds up being a little lower because of mistakes elsewhere but i don't like i think if you ask most fans they would say what well, and say what was the worst unit quarterback running back receivers or o-line they'd say o-line and i don't necessarily yeah. think that that was the case they're actually yeah. pretty even across the board and that's what i was going to say it feels pretty even to me and and i think the other thing is like Maybe I have a better appreciation for how hard it is to do what they do. And I know, like, again, sure. like when you watch other offensive lines around the league, the the pocket, the pocket depth and position. So, like, I'd say there's 40 snaps in this game, right? Where they're in like drop, like you said, they did a lot of drop back stuff in this game. And there's like probably 40 snaps where Sam is back there just kind of tapping the football. And he yeah. and, and, and he's and he's looking and he's doing what he's supposed to do, but that is so unusual, man to be able to kind of take two taps on the ball and then get it out. Like usually, like if you think about Tom Brady, Tom Brady's average time to throw is like 2.1 seconds. It's sometimes it's less than two because he's like so conscientious of getting the ball out. And I felt like Sam, there were times where he was just like back there, like really taking his time, getting to where it's got to go. And that's the offensive line being very precise with how they do stuff. And the fact that there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of color in that's that's what it is. There's not a lot of color in the pocket, right? And what I mean by that is guys are fitted square on their guy. They're winning the rep. There's nobody in Sam's lap. It's it's really good. It's really good stuff, you know. And so yes, the the sack fumble is terrible, but some of that's on Sam, like holding on to the ball, like we talked about, right? And so I think overall, when you look at it, you say, man, like this group is a is a bunch of like no name guys. Really, there's not like a big name in that group. But together, they're playing really, really well. And I think, um, oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, thank you, uh, our producer, is they, you know, like one of the sacks is on Logan Thomas. Like, it's not even on the offensive line, right? Like, it's like those things matter. So I would say, like, 
when you look at it down and down, the consistency of that group, it was very, very, it was very, it was good. I'm not gonna say very good. It was good. And are right. there some things to clean up? 100%. But I think that's the thing about offensive line play is you never go through a game. Like, so for example, this is a good example. Will Hernandez grades at 78% for the, um, for the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. He gave up like four tackles for loss and two pressures. Right. And everyone says, Oh my gosh, he should be terrible. But one of the things I'll say about him is like on those other plays, he's really, really good. I think it just, you see those plays from the offensive lineman and you assume that the whole body of work is terrible, but that's not, that's not, that's not the case. Yeah. It's just hard because they like an offensive lineman can rarely make a great, like if Terry has a drop, he can go score a touchdown. Offensive lineman gives up the sack. What's he supposed to do? Like, yeah, you can go have a big block on a play, but you're probably still not going to get the credit for that. So it's just tough. I will say um, I was able to look quickly uh, at the next gen stats uh, and Howell's time to throw 2.87. It's pretty good. Seconds. That's long. So it's one of it's that's in the bottom. It's definitely the bottom half in terms of like longest of the league. So he, yeah. he's, you know, Wilson was the, the worst slash best. He had 3.29, 3.29. Mahomes 3.28. Oh his my game. gosh. Hurts 3.26 Watson 3.21. Then there's Bryce Young, Daniel Jones, Fields, Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, and then Sam Howell. So, wow. and that, that is, uh, and the other yeah. thing that includes all throws. So that's like little RPOs and stuff. So like, yeah. your time, like so the, that average. So like when he's in his true drop back and that was a big knock on Sam coming out of college, he holds the ball for a long time. And I think yeah. you're seeing like, it's, it's a case for all young quarterbacks, but the fact that again, like that is a long time to throw in the NFL. And I, and, and he had it. it. Yes. Most, and they most had downs. It. And so I think like that understanding that relationship is super important. And like, again, we, we, we both acknowledge like, it's not, it's not perfect. But it's pretty good. It's a pretty good thing that he's doing. And again, like against better lines, we'll see how it goes. But for this game, I don't think that was, I don't think the O-line was the issue in the way that, like I got texts from some of my friends, like, oh, we got an O-line problem. We got an O-line problem. And when I, and I was fully expecting to go back and watch the film be like, man, this is a rough day. But more often than not, I'm like, man, like that pocket's great. Like he's holding the ball a long time. Like, I don't know what more they could have done here. And there's a cut, there's like, like we said, there's two or three plays that really stick out, and I get that. But on the whole, on the other forty, on the other forty-three of them, it's pretty damn good. So, yeah. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Thanks to all of you who already have subscribed, whether it is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or YouTube. If you have not, now it's a great time. Might as well just do it right now. And if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and click that like button uh, for us. Make sure that everyone else is able to find the breakdown because uh, then you know you like it. YouTube's like, hey, people like this and they they show it to others. Don't be selfish. Hit the like button. All right. When we uh, as we continue here, we'll get to the defense in just a moment. Uh, but let's get to the rest of the offense and specifically these skill position guys. Uh, let's start with Terry because we talked about that on our post game pod, something that we wanted to stick a pin in and kind of understand his day. He only has four targets on the day. We certainly hope he'll get more as the season goes on. Was that a product of play calling? Was that a product of how Arizona was, was, you know, making sure that he didn't get the big explosive plays? Like what do you make uh, of Terry McLaurin's day? Yeah, I mean, I think Terry had a had a fine day. I just didn't feel like there was a ton of opportunity for him outside of those four right. targets. And I feel like he made some some big plays in the context of those four targets, which is great and what you expect from him. Um, I, I felt like, you know, they were kind of leaning more on Logan Thomas and Jahan Dotson for some of the underneath targets. And, like, maybe that's just – that was like a stylistic decision they made. Like, X's, the X receiver in most offenses, like, they tend to be kind of more down the field type of targets. There are guys that can do both. But – you know, I think that's, um, you know, I think it's also important to acknowledge that like EB is learning how to call a different style of game. Like, you know, when he was in Kansas City, like the tight end got a lot of targets, you know, and like I'm sure that's still in his mind about easy ways to get targets for the tight end. But it's been a couple of years since they've had Tyree kill, since they've had to kind of game plan touches for an elite wide receiver like that. So I think this is all part of the process and learning what works and learning what doesn't. And like I said, like, I think, um, you know, when you, again, if you take away some of these mistakes, like the offense was, was relatively efficient, kind of even with Terry in like, a, I don't even want to say secondary role, but kind of in that, you know, he wasn't Jahan in terms of target volume, um, right. like maybe playing second fiddle to Jahan a little bit. But I, I think there are games where he's going to be super productive, you know, like there are games like where, you know, Devontae Adams isn't super productive because the, what the sure. defense is doing or just the flow of the game. And I felt like in this game, like that's kind of what happened. It wasn't like good or bad. It wasn't like you can tell that he was involved in concepts where he could get the football and he was out there. But I think on the whole, like, I don't think it's anything to be to be worried about. I'll just say that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also a thing where EB is going to learn where Sam likes to actually look. Um, some quarterbacks yeah. are very perimeter oriented some quarterbacks are more middle of the field oriented and if you look at the pass distribution for sam you know short three to four uh over the middle of the field he didn't throw anything behind the line of scrimmage to the outside so all your screen stuff was kind of more internal then when you get to the next level that zero to ten yards he's one of one to the outside right five of seven to between the numbers three of four outside left so again more to the middle uh, the intermediate range, one of two outside uh, left, O of one outside right, six of nine between the numbers between 10 and 20 yards. Oh, and they had surprising. no, they actually had no uh, attempts down field uh, yeah. over 20 yards in the air. So the ball's going to go to the middle of the field. And you think of the biggest play that Terry makes, it's when he's lined up, you know, and kind of inside uh, tight, tight alignment. I think he's inside of Logan Thomas. Maybe he was outside, but they were, yeah, they were tight yeah. to the formation. It was, a cross, it was a switch release, yeah. That's right, so he's outside, and then but then he comes across the middle of the field. Right, and yeah. so, you know, if EB understands that, that if Terry's going to get the ball, we got to run him over the middle, he'll probably start, you know, putting Terry in some of those positions and switching some of the alignments pre-snap 
where he's going to be running the routes over the middle so that he can get the football. And so those are the kinds of things that take time because you have to get the volume of Sam to see like, okay, is that just how he's throwing it today? Or is that how he's going to be? Because in practice, you can dictate a little bit more where the ball goes. And in games, it's like, no, nah, okay, this is where it's going. So you figure those things out. You put him in the right positions. Yeah. This offense is super flexible to move guys around in. Yeah. They have the, the nomenclature and the ability to do it. So I imagine his role will continue to grow over the course of the year. Um, but also, like, I do think you're going to see a lot of Jahan. You're going to see a lot of Logan Thomas. That's just yeah. how the offense is. Yeah, and also I think I, I I have nothing to support this, but you know he's coming off an injury, and like how much do you want to put on him, and like how much could you rely on him, especially with an injury like the toe, it's a little bit temperamental. So, you know maybe they're kind of saying, hey, like let's just ease him back in, let's get him as touches where he needs it, but it, he's not going to be like the feature of the offense. And also I think you know to be fair, like I think Sam has a really good chemistry with Jahan, and like when Logan was sure. healthy early in camp, he had an amazing chemistry with Logan. Like I don't think it's a coincidence that like. Um, you know, they run like this, what I would call like a lightning or an attack concept where it's like um, it's like 12 to 15 yard stop routes. Right. And he's looking to the offensive left. He's kind of uh, buying some time, buying some time. The pocket's starting to break down. And then like instead of, hey, checking the ball down, he immediately turns to his right and fires a ball to Logan Thomas. You know what I'm saying? Like he's that takes a lot of trust and confidence. And he doesn't even look. He just is throwing it that way. Because like in training camp, what Logan was able to do is kind of get his big body in the way and kind of always be open. So I think there's a, tr a a very solid trust there with Logan Thomas and Sam. And so I think like, and I, you know, like we talked about it uh, when we were talking about training camp and preseason, like that, that absolute chemistry is a little bit different with Terry. And I'm saying it can grow and develop obviously, but like he has guys that he, you can tell he is a little bit more comfortable with at the moment in terms of like, Oh, where's he at? Let's throw it to that guy kind of thing. And so I think that'll come as the season goes as well. So. Yeah, definitely. What do we make of Logan? Um, because he seemed at what I hope is just a little bit rusty, but didn't yeah. seem super explosive, has a couple of drops. Like he's gonna be a big part of this offense. He's gotta play better, but he also is coming off the injury um and has been practicing for a while, but hasn't seen any real game action since you know last year. He missed all the preseason, yeah. uh, if I'm remembering correctly from a timing standpoint. I don't think he played at all. So um, you know, what do you make of his performance and and you know this decision to roll with him in the off season, which again, we've talked about a ton. It's a lot easier to roll with what you got when you got Armani Rogers, he goes down in the spring yeah. after the big free agent period, yeah. et cetera. So there's, there's a little bit of grace I'm willing to give them here, but they decided to say like, Hey, Logan Thomas is our guy um, in an offense that is used to featuring Travis Kelsey sure. in, in a loaded tight end draft where they, they could have taken one at any number of spots. So what do you make of, of his week one? Yeah, so what I would say is not, you know, I think he would tell you the same thing. Like, he's got to make some of those plays. Um, but what I would say is, like, I actually feel really good about Logan, and it's probably because I watched him in practice. Like, watching him in practice, you know, for, for OTAs, for the beginning of training camp, first day, a couple, first couple days of pads, like, he looks the part, man. Like, when he's on, like, he's on. And I just think he was a little bit off, you know. And again, like, he's coming off the injury, his chemistry, his timing is. And, you know, you said he doesn't look explosive. He's never really been like this crazy explosive player. I think his superpower, quite frankly, is his ability to find like the soft spot in zones. Like that first, the first ball that he drops where he's running the basic over the middle of the field. Great job. Kind of like throttling down, understanding the space, like knowing you're open. You got to make that catch. And I think uh, that's, again, where maybe the chemistry issues come up a little bit because he hasn't been a practice is 
you know, like just put that ball right on them. If and like that's if I'm the tight end, I'm if I'm the tight end coach, I'm saying catch the dang ball. If I'm the quarterback coach, I'm just like, hey man, this doesn't need to be like the fastest, hardest ball you've ever thrown in your life. Like just get it right. to him. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's a little bit of that going on. Also, you know, like he had a choice route. I want to say it was his next target where he should definitely like break out. It's man-to-man coverage, but he kind of misreads the coverage. And that's you're seeing a new defense for the first time. You make a decision. Sam puts a ball inside instead of outside. You don't make the right read. Like you're just not quite as sharp as you need to be. So I think that's part of it. And I think he's going to get better and he's going to get more consistent. And I just go again, I go back to what he showed in training camp, early in training camp. And he was awesome. Like, again, he was everyone was talking about Jahan. But like before they were talking about Jahan, like Logan was the guy in that offense. And he did a really excellent job. So I'm hoping and I think he can get back to that level. I think it's just going to take maybe a week or two to kind of get back in shape and get back in the that hyper competitive mindset. So I don't think it's a big deal. I think, you know, if there if it is an issue, Logan like Cole Turner's had a great, great offseason as well. So maybe he gets some more touches. But yeah, I do think I'm not anti um, that. Because uh, he's explosive. That? Yeah. I'm not anti Cole Turner getting more touches in general. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I mean he has a choice route where like, you know, Logan, I'm talking about where the choice where he comes up, it maybe is a looky, kind of like a quick slant inside. And he kind of does a little dance and I've seen him in training camp again when he's healthy, like really do that basketball crossover, really get that guy off the spot, break inside, use the frame. And he just wasn't quite there yet. So I've, I mean, maybe I'm less concerned because I've seen it from him pretty consistently when he's been practicing and just about making that transfer to the game. And usually he's pretty good at that, good about that. But again, his first, his first like real action in probably three or four weeks. So um, you know, I think this is like, you know, like if you don't talk on the radio for a long time, it feels a little bit foreign to you as well. So yeah. like it's, I think it's just part of it. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be more productive next week and, you know, I'm not worried about it. Yep. No, that's, that's for sure. All right. Last guy, uh, to mention real quick, uh, Antonio Gibson, how yeah. concerned are we about the fumble? I mean, it, it is concerning because it just seems to be like a consistent thing with him, you know, like. I like him. I like him as a player. I think he's a, like, I like him as a person. He's awesome around the building and stuff. But like in this, in any offense, like ball security is job security. Like that is something that is so, so important. And for that fumble to come in the red zone, like as you're going into score, it is a big deal. And I, he's running hard. Like he's doing everything you want. I think he makes a nice cut on that. But I think he's going to get less touches, you know, like if, if, if that continues to be an issue and EB's always been very good, at least in my experience with him about coming back to guys after they have an issue, you know, and, you know, he catches Gibson catches the screen uh, in the fourth quarter that ends up being like a, I think it was an 11 yard game. Yeah. It should have been a first down. Right. The referees decided that they were going to have a terrible day. So it wasn't. Right. But you know, like like he, he's going to be a productive member of this offense, but like, I don't know if he's going to get, I don't know if I, I I think what I what I think is potentially in the future here is Rodriguez getting more touches as a on the first second down type of ballpark that would have normally gone to Gibson and then Gibson kind of moves into that satellite player role kind of exclusively. So I'm it's the it's week one. I'm not a guy to overreact, but the fact that there's this kind of fumbling history in 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 Gibson's past, you know, like makes me a little bit like, come on, like we gotta get that cleared up. Yeah, a reminder of the history is that he led the NFL in fumbles two years ago with six, yeah. which is just insane. Um, but last year, I think he had one Better. in the preseason, and then he only had, I think, one all yeah, year. Yeah. So he did really clean it up last year. And if he can, you know, if this is his wake up call, then fine. I think this 
he is too valuable to this offense to not be a part of yeah. it. But obviously, he's got to hold on to the ball, and that was a and, real and bad time seem, to lose it. And they seem to come in like very specific situations, like where he's in contact. You know, as he's approaching contact, that ball is a little bit loose. You know, and so it's not like the hit's strong. It's like just the guy like wrapping his hands on the tackle, like punches the ball out. And that's well, the guy came in from the backside and like punched at the ball. Like it was a heck of a defense. I thought it was the, uh, wasn't it? I, no, yeah, I don't remember. But, uh, but yeah, so like he just like when he's in the traffic, that thing should be right. a little bit tighter. I think you know, like and he just right. it's got to be tighter to your body for sure. Yeah, like he's he kind does. of getting tackled. He's falling forward, and you know, there's a natural brace that happens where your arms are going to come away from your body, but it creates this window where the guy came through from the backside and punched it up and out. Um, yeah. but it's, I mean, it's, again, it's a tremendous defensive play on a very well-timed punch that cleanly hits the ball. Yeah. But if the ball is tighter to your body and you're, you know, you got it clasped down, there's not really that angle for that to happen. So it's tough, but that's the job. Yep. No, I agree. And so hopefully, hopefully this is a non-issue. Hopefully it's the same guy from last year and it was just a, a crazy play by the defense, but I, it does, it, it, again, it just concerns me because of the history and, and maybe sure. that's not fair. But um, but that, that is something I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on now. And I think the coaches are too. Well, when you got an option, that's the thing. It's like, well, we could keep giving him the ball or we could go to Chris Rodriguez who looked awesome in the preseason. So maybe yeah. we'll just do that. And um, runs hard and is a yeah. pretty, you know, he, he takes care. He had a fumble in the preseason too, you know, so maybe I'm just, you know, maybe just not being fair to uh, Antonio Gibson. I guess we'll find out uh, this week in Denver. All right, anything else from the offense? Anybody you want to talk about uh, or do we move on to the defense? No, I think just general thoughts uh, real quick, you know, like – yeah. There are some things to be improved upon. There's a lot of youth here, especially at the quarterback spot. I expect it to get better each and every week. Really good test this week against uh, Denver. You know, that defense is no joke, so we'll see what they come up with. But um, EB has a lot of familiarity with them. He used to be in the division with them. So, um, But, yeah, like just hoping to kind of see a little bit of stuff get cleaned up because I think as they're going to play better teams, like the the margin for error is going to shrink. The offensive line is not going to be able to play quite as – clean you know even we, we went through that in pretty good detail so be really curious to see what happens this week uh with uh with denver yeah you go from needing to play clean to needing to play well yeah and that's right. <laughs> that's going to be the the test this week with some of the pass rushers that they have in denver Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. I am Craig Hoffman. Uh, if you have not liked and subscribed again at this point in the podcast, what are we waiting for? Let's do it. Uh, subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube uh, at 1067 The Fan for full episodes. And of course, don't miss our live stream post game. First one ever this past Sunday went very well. Lots of people liked it uh, at 1067. The fan. We also simulcast that one on the team 980s YouTube page where you can catch me on the radio four to seven each and every day. And of course, live streaming on that very same team 980 YouTube page. Uh, and then of course the audio in your favorite podcast app. All right, Logan defensively, uh, when you look at what they did, just a thorough, butt kicking in the second half really good job to to clamp it down and you just feel the momentum like building throughout the game yeah. and it gets to this point and we talked about this some in the offensive breakdown where the you know whether it's ron eb whoever's you know involved in those conversations realizes like hey we can change what we're doing offensively because defensively we got this thing on lock and that affects right. some of the play calling and decision making and and does so in a positive way but um you know when you talk about the defense overall 
how they do. Uh, and, and I guess we can start up front because that really is where it starts. Yeah, I mean, those dudes played awesome. Like, awesome. Everybody played awesome. You know, Payne, Allen, obviously they came and did what they what we've come to expect them to do. I think the most impressive thing is just Payne just seemed like he was all over, the, like always in the backfield, all over the field, um, rushing, you know, decisively. Like, it just – like, they're so confident, you know, and I think maybe that's what comes with getting paid and being that guy in the team. But both those guys did a great job. Montez Sweat. You know, I thought I thought he'd had to have more kind of uh, like quick wins in terms of rushing against Paris Johnson, but you know, obviously, uh, when the moment came up, he was able to make big plays uh, with the sack fumble. Great job by him. And then James and Casey, you know, they flashed. You know, James had like a tackle for loss and was in great in pursuit and great set edges. And um, you know, Casey draws the holding call, has a tackle for loss. So like, it's just great to see that group. And then Abdul Anderson shows up quite a bit in terms of production on. Uh, you know, like as a rotational piece and big John Ridgeway's in there looking in better form than he did in the preseason. So that's a good sign. So, I mean, I'm not saying anything. This is, you know, this isn't great analysis. It's just like they did a good job and they are good at football and they're going to be a mismatch <laughs> for most offensive lines. Like, shoot, you know what I mean? Like that's, I don't know what else to add there. Like they're, they're, they're a bunch of freaks, dude. <laughs> like they're a bunch of freaks and they got great depth and that's, that's the backbone of the team. I think, the thing that I, again, with that group is like, I think Arizona's offensive line is good. What happens when they have a more dynamic passer that they're rushing or a more dynamic offense in general? Because Arizona's offense was so limited by what Josh Dobbs could do. Like they're running keepers. They're running, they're not doing anything that's really going to challenge you, um, you know, um, schematically, especially in the back end, you know, because they just can't, they just, they just can't. So what does that look like when you're going up against, I don't know. If, I don't know if Denver's going to be that litmus test, but what happens when you go up against a better group and a better play? What caller, happens maybe? week three when Josh Allen comes to town? Correct. You know, and like, so that 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 to me is going to be really interesting to watch. Is like when you get a more mobile passer, when you get a more dynamic offense, when you get a more layered, nuanced game plan, can they still be this effective? And I would like to think so because they're a bunch of they're a bunch of physical freaks, but. We've seen them, and we and this is good football process by opponents. Like we've seen people call games that negates their effectiveness, you know, because they're running quick games, running screens, they're running a lot of play action, they're doing, you know what I mean? There's they make it really complicated for them. But um, in this game, like they were awesome, and like that's what we're coming to expect from this group. It's just about can they be consistent against you know elite play callers and elite quarterbacks? So yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, I think the thing that I am really impressed with. Uh, there's, there's two things. One, I think Jack called a hell of a game um, and it includes yeah. like some really smart usage at times of the Cinco package. Um, it really affected yeah. out of that look. Um, Duran, some of his tackles for loss come in that package where you're like, okay, well, Duran Payne's got a one-on-one. Duran just killed a guy again uh, and he's yeah. in the backfield. You know, John gets some of that as well. Obviously, everyone, you know, at that point, everyone is, is across the line getting uh, those one-on-ones, which is why you use that package. So I think he deployed that well. The other thing that I think stands out for me as like a question moving forward, specifically when Chase Young gets back, is can they continue to play with the discipline that they do when James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill are in there? And you see James, especially on first and second down, the way he sets the edge and the way that he is able to get upfield, collapse the pocket, not necessarily I have to win this rush with speed to the outside. I have to take this huge risk. He just he stays in his rush lane and he pushes the O-lineman towards the quarterback that, you know, if he can get there, great. If not, he is kind of pushing to Montez Sweat, Deron Payne or John Allen. And if Montez is doing the same thing on the other side, 
you know, one, Montez is better at ultimately getting off the block and getting the sack. He has the sack and a half accordingly. Um, so you see like the difference in skill sets there. Sure. But if those two are coming together, it obviously forces the quarterback to step up. And then you're stepping up into Deron Payne and John Allen, which is not exactly a treat. And so when Chase gets back, can they keep that? That yeah. to me is like the big question. Because I think what you also see, as we'll talk about in a second, is the improvement on the back end allows some of those plays where that happens. And last year it was a pressure to become a sack. The, yeah. the coverage uh, pressure marriage, the, the front end back end marriage is essential. And the back end has shored up to a point that they're going to just create sacks if they just play within themselves. And because they're able to, to do their job up front so successfully. And so what happens when Chase gets back? Is it the Chase Young rookie year Ohio State who rushes with that discipline? And frankly, even though he wasn't very good last year, he did rush was more in a disciplined, disciplined manner yeah. last year in those three games. Is it that Chase Young or is it 2021 Chase Young that's all over the place and is letting quarterbacks out and scramble? And especially if he comes back against Buffalo in week three, Josh Allen will kill you if you do that with his legs. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. Like the more research I've done on, because I have some defensive line guys that I coach in the NFL, and the more mm -hmm. research you do about that, it's not just win your matchup. It's like win your matchup with the other four guys. And so like you do need guys who are going to like stand in the background and, and play background music. You know what I mean? Like they're, you know, be backup singers. Like because you've got all these really big dynamic athletes and personalities, like you got to rush how you're supposed to rush. And I will say this about Montez, man. Like everyone gives him a hard time because he's not like this double digit sack guy, but he rushes really, really well with everybody else. Like he knows where he fits in and it elevates everybody. And so like, to your point, like can chase so show some maturity when he comes back and, and, and do that. And I don't know, like he doesn't have a great history of doing that, but um, I think that group, like it would just be, if it's four guys rushing together with those free, those four freaks rushing together, like that would just be fantastic, man. But yeah, like to your point, like James, Casey, Abdullah, like they know yeah. even even Ridgeway, they know that they're not the main guys. And so you'll see them like augment rushes and then do different stuff to cover down for when Payne's taking a shot or or Allen's taking a shot or, or Tez is taking a high angle. Like, and so that there is a lot of value to what those guys bring to that group in terms of depth, in terms of production. But um, yeah, like I just I, you know when Chase gets back, hopefully they can. Hopefully it elevates and doesn't detract from the chemistry right. that that group has. Right. Because what if, you know, Chase does the same thing, but he has his finishing ability instead of what James Correct. or Casey provides. Then Correct. you're talking about sacks as opposed to just pressures 100%. that those guys got. Um, and then the same thing in the run game. You know, James, James strings some stuff out, misses a couple of tackles for loss, potentially. Like, ultimately, I think team tackle for loss on at least one of them that I'm thinking about. But if Chase can make that initial play, like, that's that's an upgrade. That's yeah. how you that's why you're Chase Young, second overall pick versus James, who's a very, very good football player, but was seventh rounder or whatever. Like, can you be that playmaker? Um, but by doing it in the same ways that these guys currently are being hyper effective. That that yeah. to me is the question, which ultimately we'll find out. Hopefully, it sounds like week three against Buffalo. Um, although he Ron did say, you know, full contact this week. We'll see how he responds to it. But the reporting uh suggests that it, he will miss this week's game uh, pretty much no matter what. Yeah. And, you know, it's your point, like James, like they, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about on the pregame show was like run a lot of pin pull and uh, they're running like this toss crack screen, which they ran in the preseason, not screen. It's a, it's a toss run. Yeah. Cracking with the receiver. 
And in the preseason, uh, I forget who they were playing, but the receiver comes out and just manhandles the defensive end. It was Karloftis, so Kansas City. And James, like, doesn't mess with that receiver at all. He just jets straight up the field and makes the back bubble way back and allows mm-hmm. all the pursuit to beat their blocks and get there. So, again, like, that's just doing what you're supposed to do. Like, I know that right. doesn't, that's not sexy or super exciting, but you're doing your job at a high level. And, like, that's what those those two guys, man, they, they, they bring that. They bring that just kind of like it's not always flashy, but I, I am where I'm supposed to be, and I'm hungry to do what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, there's a reason that when those guys get in the rotation, the defense tends to play better, and it's because they're doing their job. So, um, right. yeah. As opposed yeah. to, by the way, not to pick on him, but he's a rookie. This is his first NFL game. But, like, Andre Jones Jr. on the one big run that gets out, like, he yeah. doesn't do that. He loses contain on the edge. Yeah, it's a reverse, and, again, that's a tough look, but – you know, like that's his job, right? Is to keep right. that in, inside and ends up being an explosive play. So, um, yeah, like there's do you do what you're supposed to do, and it, it adds value to the group. And uh, I, but it, put a, put a put a dot on it here real quick. Like they played really well, and mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of crazy analysis here. Like <clears throat> they're winning one on ones. They're playing. They're playing great together as a group. They're taking on double teams. They're rushing the pass. They're doing everything you want to see. It's just, you know, like like we had to kind of like fabricate this thing about what happens when Chase Young comes back because it was such a good performance. You know, but it's it's a good question. Yeah. But it's like but it's like that like they were Yeah, and it's I, I wouldn't say I fabricated no, it. It's like it's, that's that's my, yeah. you know, the the talking point is this is great. Can they sustain it when they get what is theoretically a better player back? Like that's you know, and that's what's going to take this defense from like good to like elite, incredible. Yeah. Like, you know, being what dallas look like against the giants or what san francisco look like like if you got an extra playmaker like okay let's party or is it that guy turns it back because like if this is the standard you can live with this you can win with this um so what's the point all right it it, it Uh, is one it is one week and we got to see how they do against other teams but yeah i agree with you and it is one week against josh dobbs in arizona so not getting too far ahead of it um Linebackers, I thought, played pretty well as well. Um, yeah, I, I you know, think, there's there's kind of the one play that I know we're going to break down, uh, the, yeah. the wheel route to Rondell Moore up the sideline with Jamin. Um, but overall, like for a group that really, especially with Cody Barton, did not have a particularly good summer, um, I didn't feel like he was slow on some of the stuff that he was slow on in the preseason, the recognition. He was, he was in there making plays. And then Jamin, man, like I don't, eventually the narrative is going to catch up to the reality. He's a good football player. Yeah. Like he just is. I don't know. Like Cody has a 37 grade. I don't know why that is on PFF. So I have to go back and watch him more specifically, but to your point, like Jamin was a, was a man child. Like he's so physical now, like he's so physical and decisive to the football. Um, And like, I'm just excited to see where he's going to go. Like he, if he makes the first tackle of the game, running the running back down to the sideline. There's another play where he's taking on a pulling guard or pulling tight end, you know, uproots him and makes a tackle on the back. Like he's just, he, there's a confidence and a decisiveness to his play that is much better. And he's gotten much better in coverage. I would say on the whole, like you can tell he understands leverages a lot better. And again, like my eyes kind of drawn to him because he does flash. Like he, he's a big physical dude. So I, I think hopefully he continues to do that. I think one kind of interesting thing is like Cody with the green dot stays in, in the Cinco package. Especially when they yeah. go in their in their nickel, it's like nickel nickel cinco. So they have five D linemen, one linebacker, Cam Crow's in the box, uh, Percy and Forrest are the safeties. Like I wonder if at any point this year that switches to Jamin, if you feel comfortable with him doing that, because like if he's gonna play, if he's gonna play like that, like you know, can he can he wear the green dot or can Cam wear the green dot and Jamin just kind of 
be down there. So that's something I would kind of keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks. But I think, um, I, yeah, I think that group did, they did a good job. I don't understand this grade. I got to go back and watch some of these plays I've got highlighted, but um, I, I thought Cody didn't do anything that stood out to me as overly negative, And I thought he fit the runs correctly. And again, he's, He's a he's a big athletic guy in his own right, so um, I'm excited to see where that that group goes. Quite frankly, yeah, um, I don't I don't really understand the Barton Gray being that that poor either. Um, in terms of snap counts, you see uh, Jamin with 40 snaps, Barton plays all 62, um, and and if we talk about the second layer of the defense, you kind of have to start talking about Cam as well because oh he played gosh. a ton in that Buffalo nickel spot. Animal. Um, with Percy Butler coming in and doing a hell of a job in his 33 snaps as a safety. And he, you know, he rotated down to the box a little bit at times, yeah. um, but mostly is over the top. And then just with pure speed is able to make plays around yeah. the line of scrimmage because he's one of the freakiest athletes on the team, if not in the whole league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like one of my favorite things about Percy, because he is really fast, is like when he sees the ball. And like he just starts running past his teammates to make the tackle. Like I think right. that's I think that's a really cool thing that he can do, and he's physically capable of doing that. And he seems like very willing and able and eager to get that done. So, um, but you know, Cam, man, what do you say about that guy? Holy cow! Like there was a sequence where I was like charting the game, and I was like, like this can't be right. I just looked back on it, and he had like five consecutive tackles. You know, where he's in around the ball like five consecutive times, like half tackles, not necessarily solos, but. You know, like he's he's a tremendous football player. He has a PBU, almost interception, like on in the red zone. Like he just he's like a he's good at football, man. He's really really good at football, and um, he I think he's poised for a big year and hopefully gets some his hands onto the football some more and get some turnovers. But I thought he had an outstanding football game. Like I, there's not one thing I would say, man. I wish he had a like it was so funny. Uh, we were watching the game with B. Mitch and he kind of missed that tackle versus uh, the running back in the four in like the last two minutes of the game, but like slows him down enough that he's able to get up and get back in on the tackle. And it was a huge, like I'd say the, the running lane was probably like 10 yards wide for whatever reason. It just, Oh uh, yeah. 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 I remember that so for him to even slow him down there was, was great. So I, I, like I'm really high on him. I thought he had an excellent game and um, you know, the, the whole back end, really the safeties played well Forrest had a good game. Um, you know, it's hard to know with some of the coverage responsibilities, like what exactly is going on, but, yeah, man, like, you know, Kendall has, has a nice PBU. Benjamin St. Juice, I thought, was pretty consistent. A um, couple comebacks and stuff that are tough coverage responsibilities that I thought he gave up. But overall, like, that, that group, I think, is another, like, they are ascending quickly in terms of, uh, you know, best best position best position groups on the whole team. I think they're, they're, they're nearing the top, so that's exciting. Yeah, so let's quickly talk about that wheel route to Moore. It's kind of the one explosive play they give up. Um, Moore comes uh, out of the backfield, obviously a tremendous receiver coming out of the backfield. They're playing quarters to that side. It's a cover six look. It looks like. Um, we don't know for it sure. Look, it looks like. It looks like um, but it looks, you know, and obviously we don't know their match rules and stuff like that. Yeah. But he kind of runs past Jamin Davis and everyone wants to yell at Jamin. But if you look at the all 22 and look at the back end, yeah. um, it looks like Cam Curl has the vertical stuff covered on that side. Emmanuel Forbes is the corner to the outside. Like, so if you think of the, the quarter side of there, there's obviously two deep players. Forbes on the outside. Curl's got the middle quarter responsibility. He picks up the, the deep runner. It, seems like Forbes should come down. Perhaps Jamin's supposed to carry. It's impossible to know, but it is the kind of thing that you wonder when Forbes plays only 40 snaps, 
we see the miscommunication between him and Quan on something similar-ish in the preseason. Yeah. You wonder if that's ultimately why Forbes is the odd man out in rotation. Um, and he still plays 40 snaps. It's not like you know they're benching him. But I, I did like I, I would say this, Logan. I didn't expect him to not be on the field for all of the snaps and I would have expected St. Juice or, or Fuller to be rotated yeah. out a little bit more versus those two playing all 62 defensive snaps and Forbes being out. But you see kind of the, the opportunity for growth there and, and that particular play and why Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera is they super emphasize not giving up explosives, potentially making that decision uh, and, and seeing it kind of play out. Yeah, I mean, uh, on that play specifically, like obviously if it was their cover three structure, um, Jamin would have to match that back vertically. But because of that quarter structure, it looks like Cam, like the second that receiver takes an inside stem, Cam matches it like right away. Boom. And so I would think that based on Cam's reaction, um, you know, especially with number two, who's the back running or, you know, in this case, Ron Delmore running a vertical um, that that Forbes should probably bump to it. Again, we don't know for sure. But it is it is surprising, man. It is surprising that he's not playing more, especially kind of coming out of camp because I thought he had a very, very solid and consistent camp. Now, St. Juice had an amazing camp, so maybe that mm -hmm. he just played better and deserves to play more. But um, th that would be an interesting conversation to have with someone in the building about why they chose not to play. Maybe they're trying to bring him along. Maybe he feels more comfortable in certain packages or, or whatever it is. I don't know. But um, that, that was a little surprising to me that he wasn't playing 62 snaps, you know, 62 defensive snaps. So. Yeah. By the way, the the last defensive snap, what a play by him! No, great and play. Being in trail and just coming. I mean, he runs the route for the receiver. Yeah, uh, very easily could have picked it. Um, instead, it's just a PBU. It's fourth down. It doesn't matter. Game over. Um, so fantastic job. You know, it's not like he played poorly by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, on that one play, that's kind of what happened. And and a lot of people are yelling at Jamin. And I'm, if I had to guess, it's not Jamin on Jamin there. Um, but you know, obviously, it's as we'll say, ad nauseum the rest of the year. It's impossible to know for sure. Cover um, structures suck, man. Like just like they're just because they run so many that look the same. Yeah. Like even when you have like a sheet in front of you with the coverage structure, it's almost like, you know, like I had this conversation with Rod. We were doing coaches show. And I was like, oh, what coverage is this? He's like, dude, like, I don't know. Like I'd have to see the call because it, it changes based on formation. It changes based on personnel. It changes, you know, motion changes it. So it's like. I, I could give you my best guess because like he knows the defense really well, but it's also like, I don't know exactly what this call is because it's so variable down to down. And, you know, so I, I think that's where we're doing our best over here is basically what I'm trying to say. Right. It, <laughs> it certainly looks like cover six, but if it's cover six match, who, who knows? knows? Who knows? Um, all right. Anything else from the game that should be discussed? We're already an hour into this son of a gun. So I, I think we've covered it all. But anything else that that deserves to be mentioned? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think, um, yeah, you know, defense did a good job against an opponent that's not necessarily the best. You know, in terms of quarterback, <laughs> and like that, that yeah. was a performance they should have. I think people were underrating uh, Arizona's defense, and I think this is an an okay performance by the offense, but definitely there's room for improvement. Like Ron said, I think Ron encapsulated really well. Like it's not good enough to beat good teams, but it's yeah. for this game as a stepping stone. I think it's it's good to get the win, and I think there's a lot of stuff that that you can see and offensively specifically that can be improved upon that is close, and that that's exciting. So they'll have an opportunity to show that this week against Denver. So yes, thank you, NFL schedule makers for Arizona in Week One. All right, uh, later this week preview the Denver Broncos. Uh, obviously, that is a 4:25 kick 
on Sunday, meaning Logan and I will be at Tap Sports Bar at 1 o'clock for the Take Command pregame show at MGM National Harbor. So we will see you guys there. Uh, take five tomorrow first, and then uh, we'll see you for the, the preview pod and then pregame on Sunday. For Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for listening. Uh, if, if you've gotten this far and you've listened to the multiple subscriber monitors and still haven't, now's a good time, uh, and we'll see you next time on Take Command. Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you why don't you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 1067 The Fans YouTube page. Go check it out and please subscribe. Yeah, do do what Logan said. Do He's it. Very, very smart. <laughs>